Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Thank you so much uh, for taking a few moments and listening to the podcast today. Um, I'm just delighted by the reach that the podcast are having. Uh, A lot of that has to do with many of you getting word out. I appreciate that so much. You tell others about the uh, the podcast and and just the the national reach and now the international reach is just amazing. So thank you. Today I want to take a minute and I want to talk to you about uh, the leadership uh, template. Uh, Just what is a leader? How does a leader come about? Uh, A few years ago, uh, a dear friend of mine, Dan Ryland, wrote an an interesting piece on leadership. And what he talked about was four types of leaders. He first of all dealt with born leaders. Now, I get it that people make fun of this and say, are leaders born? And the answer is, of course. But when Dan was saying that, he was talking about people who just come out with the leadership gift. They just have all the instincts. They have all of the levels of leadership. And it's just one of those things that they were on the fast road. And at the youngest age, they demonstrated leadership. Now, are there born leaders that instinctively come out? Yes, but there are not many of them. In fact, in my lifetime, I can probably count less than five leaders that I would say are born leaders. John Maxwell would be a born leader. You listen to John even in his early days and instinctively people would follow him. Why? Because they sensed leadership instincts. Teachers would talk to him about leadership. Why? Because he possessed the instincts. Craig Rochelle, uh, just uh, a magnificent leader. Now, I'm sure that if I were to talk uh, to uh, John and to Craig, they would both say, but I had to learn so much. And yeah, that would be true about every leader. But on the other hand, what we know is they probably had better leadership instincts naturally built into them than most leaders have. So there's born leaders, yes, but it's not the majority of leaders. In fact, it's the smallest group of leaders. But then there are natural leaders, and natural leaders are a little bit different. It's not so much that a natural leader doesn't have instincts, but more that they were put in settings where they were groomed to be a leader. And so, in biblical sense, Moses was that. Even though he had leadership failures and he ended up being a dynamic leader for Israel, he had a head start because he was raised in Pharaoh's house. He got to uh, see leadership and understand leadership on pretty intense and high levels. And there are people in our society, they're born into families that have a leadership culture to them, a leadership drive. Uh, They're put into environments of leadership. And because of that, they're more natural leaders. They get the context of leadership. They understand the nature. But then there's another level, and that is the learned leader. And this is really where most leaders are, that they're learned leaders. They didn't come out necessarily with all the instincts, and uh, they didn't have all the natural upbringing of a leader, but they felt the need to lead, and they learned to lead. And these are people who just went to school, and as they went to school, 
they began to learn from other leaders. They began to grasp leadership. They began to see it. They began to apply it, and they became learned leaders. And then there's another group Dan would talk about. These are non-leaders. Now, non-leaders are people who may have had the opportunity to lead, but for whatever reason, they chose not to take that path, that directive. It's not a negative, it's just a reality. Jesus talked about it when he said, uh, many are called, but few are chosen. And what that means is, is that a lot of people have a call to do certain things, but not everyone makes the choices in their life to accomplish the things that they were called to do. Now, that's sort of an introduction to the leadership template. I want to give you an overview and maybe a breakdown. The overview of leadership looks like this. Leaders are birthed and created over time. Leaders are formed during moments of testing. And leaders learn the ability to have great tenacity. So three thoughts. The template of leadership involves timing, it involves testing, and it involves tenacity. So let me walk you through these specifically. Timing. Let me illustrate with something natural. When I first came to the community that I live in, uh, it's a community that would never be considered uh, a community that has a lot of trees. Uh, in fact, uh, it was a community that uh, was basically farmland, grazeland, that kind of thing, because it just didn't have the trees, and it was easy for farmers to come and to set up uh, their farms here. They didn't have to pull down forest and uh, begin to pull up stumps to plow the land. It was just grazing land naturally. Now, that being said, when I bought my home that I live in now, uh, I wanted a tree. Problem was, I couldn't afford a tree because around here, a tree cost $100 an inch. Now, an inch is, you know, the diameter that they measure. And so if you have a 10-inch uh, tree that you're going to put in, that's $1,000. And if you're going to have a 3-inch, that's $300. My problem was I wanted a big tree, but I didn't have any money. So I had a very small 2-inch tree put in. In fact, it looked more like Charlie Brown's Christmas tree than it did anything. But I remember the guy who planted it. I asked him, I said, I want a big tree, but I can only afford this tree. So I want this tree to grow fast. I want it to grow big. How do I do that? And he looked at me. I was being a little bit sarcastic. And he looked at me and said, oh, I can do that. He says, we'll over-fertilize it. We'll put more fertilizer on the ground around this tree than it really needs. And he says, it'll grow super fast. I was really excited because I thought, man, that's what I want. A cheap tree that grows really, really fast. But then he paused. He said, now, Gerald, I can make the tree grow fast. But if I do that, it will not grow strong. And I looked at him. I said, well, what do you mean? He says, well, a storm can come through here and it'll look like on the outside it's really a big tree. But because we grew it fast, it didn't grow on the inside. And because it didn't grow on the inside, if the winds hit it, it could break in two. So he said, what I want you to know is, 
is that I can grow it fast, but I can't grow it strong. That sort of set off an illustration for me and my leadership journey that I've seen duplicated many times. I've watched people reach leadership positions with great speed, but I've also watched them fail quickly. And I've always remembered back to that illustration about the tree. I can grow it fast, but I can't grow it strong. Throughout the Bible, we are given illustrations of the timeline. Moses' timeline was 40 years. After he had initially begun to lead and he had failed in his leadership model, it was a 40-year journey before he really began to lead at a high capacity. 40 years. David, king, the one that was made after God's own heart, he received the call to be king when he was about 17 or 18. He did not become king until he was 30. 12 to 13 years. It didn't happen overnight. Elijah. Elijah comes to him, throws down his mantle and says, God's called you. You're going to be the next prophet of Israel. And yet what we know is for the next 10 years, he did nothing but serve Elijah. Why? A 10-year journey. Paul, in the New Testament, he gives us this clear line, and what he says is this. For 14 years, he basically spent a whole lot of life on the backside of the desert. And during that period of time, it was there that the revelation of Christ was formed. See, here's what I can say to you. You may be in a hurry, but God is not. And if you're going to be a leader, you may start in leadership and you may think, well, I'm doing a great job, but here's what God wants to make sure. That as a leader, that you are strong and not just in a leadership position. So one of the things that I can tell you, not only about spiritual leaders, but even secular leaders, is nobody gets there overnight. Yeah, there's a few stories about, you know, people at Facebook and Google but the reality is, is that those stories are so far and in between. They say the average Fortune 500 CEO becomes a CEO when he's 53 years of age. That when he reaches that highest level of being a part of what is the upper echelons of business, it's when they're 53. Now, does that mean that there aren't exceptions? No, there always are. But what it does mean is this, time is a part of the leadership equation. And you can try to cut corners and you can try to be in a hurry, but you got to remember something, God's not. And so when it comes to your leadership journey, there's always going to be a timing equation. You may think that you're ready for something, but the Bible says promotion doesn't come from the east, the west, or the south. Promotion comes from the Lord. He's the one who's able to make his servant to stand. So the first thing about the leadership template is it's time-oriented. It's going to take time. And there are going to be moments when you feel like you're not advancing as quick as you should. You're not being recognized as much as you should. You're not being privileged and entitled with as much as you think you can do. But a lot of that is the timing equation. But... If you begin to address that part of the template, there's another part, and it is the testing. 
And in leadership, they call this the crucible moments. Those moments that really define. In fact, one of the studies that you'll find on leadership is that uh, in the average leader's life, there are three major moments, crucible, uh, make-or-break moments that really define their leadership journey. That's true biblically. When you look back and you study the lives of the leaders in the Bible that we're giving great detail about, and you study, there's two to three great moments you look back and you say, this was when everything changed. Paul had been raised in Gamaliel's house, so he had a natural instinct of leadership. He had been raised in that school of thought. He was highly intellectual, but it wasn't until he was on the road to Damascus and all of a sudden he's knocked off literally the animal that he was riding that it begins a crucible moment. Something begins to change. So there are crucible moments. There's probably no better illustration of crucible moments than and uh, the finest that we have naturally, those people who lead in the military. Uh, the Marines call it the 55-hour march. 55 hours of marching and full combat uniform without really any rest, without any sleep. It is one of the things that they say turns someone into a Marine that makes them an exceptional leader is to be able to do this 55-hour just drive, this 55-hour moment. And so as a result of that, they become highly effective leaders. Uh, in the Air Force, their specialty services, they have the 24-hour swim. 24 hours where you swim. And during that time, you're put through grueling tests. You're put through uh, intense times. And during those times, you experience those moments. And they say it defines the character. For the Navy SEALs, it's seven days. They call it Hell Week. Seven days of relentless pressure on you to get you past what you think you can do physically, what you think you can do mentally. All of those are testing moments. Here's what I can tell you. Leaders are tested on the inside and out. Talent gets you into places, but character keeps you there. And in your life, there are going to be things where God's going to have moments where you're going to be challenged. There's going to be gut-level instincts that are going to be challenged. Those gut-level instincts are going to be brought to the rawest level to see if you can pass the test. I remember a moment in my life, it was unexpected. That's the thing about crucible moments. You don't realize how important they are when they're going on. But you look back and you define them. If I can put it to you this way, uh, it involved an individual who was greatly respected in um, Christianity. He had come and he had spoken at my church on a midweek and during that time had done a really amazing job. But the next day I'd set up for a lunch where he's going to speak to about 15 local pastors. These pastors are all sitting there and for about two hours around lunch, he communicates, he talks. Everything's going fine, but it comes time for him to get on his plane and to, to move on. 
I'm going out front of the restaurant to get his car. He's walking out a different door. And we're literally across the restaurant from each other. And all of a sudden, with a loud voice, he says, son, everyone in the restaurant stops. These people don't know who I am. They don't know who he is. The 15 pastors are still eating. They stop. They turn around. And in the middle of a full restaurant, he points his finger at me and he says, son, I need to tell you something. Well, I'm literally embarrassed because people I don't know are are hearing this uh, admonition that's about to come. And he points his finger at me and he says, son, right now you've proven that you have talent. See, our church had not been going long, but we had grown uh, numerically. And he says, you have talent. But you're about to be able to prove whether you're truly called and gifted by God. I hear this and I'm thinking, my goodness, why does he have to yell this across a restaurant? But as he yells this across the restaurant, not being negative in any way, but truly delivering one of those crucible moments, he says, because you have talent, you need to decide now how you're going to handle money. Because if you've got talent, money's going to come across your hands. And if you don't decide now before money comes across your hands, you'll make mistakes and it will hurt your ministry. I said, yes, sir. And I got out of the restaurant quickly because I was embarrassed. But you know what? That became one of the defining moments because that day as a young kid, I made a decision how I would handle money when it came into the church. That there wouldn't be shortcuts, that there wouldn't be anything that wouldn't pass the eye test or the smell test. And I could tell you story after story of how that moment ended up saving ministry when offers came and opportunities came. What I know about leaders is this. I know that leaders go through periods of testing. And you are going to go through moments that are going to set the foundation for your future and you're going to have to decide. And it's the decisions that you make that you feel are insignificant that become the dominating decisions in your life. The next word is tenacity. It's the grit factor. It's the ability to stand when there's no reason to stand. And it is the ability to keep standing when everyone would say, you don't need to stand. There was a general in the Air Force who was captured during the Vietnam War. This general is credited by all the other uh, POWs during the Vietnam War as being the individual that created the code of conduct that really helped them get through in the face of immense torture, in the face of all the things they went through. They said it came back to him. But one of the things that he taught was a principle called realistic optimism. And when a new POW would come in, some of them would say, well, we're going to be out by Christmas or we're going to be out by the beginning of the year. And he would stop them and he would say, you need to be realistic. Here's what realistic optimism is. You are going to get out of here. But it may not be by Christmas and it may not be by the first of the year. He would teach realistic optimism when they were in solitary confinement. 
he would say, be realistic. You are going to get out of there. Every little band of light that sneaks under the door, enjoy it. Every word that you hear, even if it's a harsh word, connects you back to a real world. And so when the guards are talking outside the cell, listen. You're hearing the voice. And as a result of that, he taught them realism in the midst of crisis. Realistic optimism. You know, one of the things that I see is that often young people who feel like they're a part of a leadership journey in a church, they many times don't have the skill set to survive it. So I sit down and I really try to teach them some things that I have found helpful. There's really three things that I teach young people about tenacity. The first one is always lead big to small. What that means is, is that every day we do things. A lot of those things are just small things. Sometimes we have to make sure that we're writing notes, we're making calls, we're trying to connect, we're trying to do things to facilitate ministry. And when you do those day after day, week after week, month after month, it can be overwhelming to you. But you don't lead small to big. You always lead big to small. And what that means is you lead like Jesus led. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, it says, He endured the cross because of the joy that was set before him. He endured the moment because he saw something bigger. And see, I tell all the people who I have the privilege of having on my team, we live for the moment when we say every head bowed, every eye closed. And during those particular moments, everything that we do is wrapped up. All those little things that seem hard and the hours that seem uh, just so intense. We lead in light of the big things, not the small things. If you ever lead in light of small things, they will overwhelm you. And they will collapse you. And you will not be able to sustain what God wants you to do. So I teach them, lead big to small. I also teach them, number two, to lead from good to bad. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18, Paul talks this way. And he says, um, there's a lot of things that are going to happen around us. A lot of things that physically are going to happen and a lot of things mentally are going to happen. And he uses uh, four descriptive terms. But what he was talking about is this. When you do ministry where you're helping hurting people, you know that you're going to deal with some tough moments. But you always deal with the tough moments by remembering good moments. And you never lose sight of the good moments. You never lose sight of the person whose marriage you've helped, the teenager who was going one way but went another way, uh, the individual who was inspired to take on a cause, a purpose, a destiny. You always lead from good to bad and never from bad to good. And then, thirdly, you always lead from heaven to earth. You don't lead from earth to heaven. You always maintain a heavenly view. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2 says this. It says, in your life, you're to set your mind, your attention 
on the things that are above. When you set your mind and your attention on those things, the things down here don't bother you. So what is the template of leadership? It involves time, probably more than you would like for it. It involves testing. The very core of your being is going to be called into questions as you begin to be refined by God. And then it's going to require tenacity, the ability to keep going even when you think you shouldn't keep going. All those things are part of the leadership template. Now what I can say is none of us outgrow them. All of us experience them. And I found that great leaders learn to value them. The time that's spent, the tests that they go through, and the tenacity that is built into them. Those are the key things. Thank you so much for joining me for the podcast. Uh, Let me again just say this to you. Um, We have an event called Breaking the 500 Barrier that's coming up, and um, that's a really, really good event. And uh, in that event, I will be talking about uh, the seven uh, challenges that stunt a church from growing, the four kinds of change that every church goes through, and then 10 things that uh, every uh, pastor needs to know about his team. And there's a lot of other lessons, but those are just a few. You can always go to GeraldBrooksMinistry.com. You can sign up. But thank you so much uh, for listening and being a part. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com.